Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I was able to sound the siren for you guys uh, in a again. victory. Here we you know go what I'm again. saying? Uh, last season. It's Wes. And so I was told that right. the spots are full for this year. And so we need the big dog to come through and pull some weight. Get the Wes and Walker right. show up there right. so that because we can sound there long. And Walker. You want to get on that siren? And the fact that you brought us the W2, you're in. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. You're there we go. Let's go. Wes and Walker sounding the siren. <laughs> Wesson Walker back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Is that the Herbie Hancock? This is Chameleon. Yeah, I've, I've heard this flipped. Uh, I got to think of who did this, but somebody baseline. Just yeah. an amazing baseline. Just you just let this thing ride out, and then maybe you put a little bit of spice on the other side, yeah. but you just let that baseline ride Herbie out. Herbie Hancock, dope, dope. Real dope. Let's go to the text line. Bagel guy, he hit home with me. He said, hey, what about the cookout tray? Can you leave cookout without getting a certain something? He said he couldn't leave without the Cajun chicken wrap. Wes, identical. Same thing. I will get a Cajun chicken wrap every time I leave. The keto, is that considered throw-ins because it's a part of the tray? No, but but see, come on. You know me. So you're going to get the tray and throw you in something. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Got you. That's it. Yeah, okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm gonna I get, saw somebody put they get extra hush puppies, too, when they go there. Yeah, that's a great move. But my, my cookout order, because it's almost a thing. Yeah, Everybody's got their own. It's almost like your thumbprint. Everybody has their own cookout tray. So the one I roll with, Cajun chicken sandwich, quesadilla, Cajun chicken wrap, or excuse me, seasoned fries. I'm sorry, seasoned fries in the tray. But then I also get the Cajun chicken wrap. And then my usual go-to milkshake is chocolate cheesecake milkshake. Okay. That's what I get usually. I do the the uh, the double cheeseburger with fries and hush puppies. I used to do the big double cheese. That's what I do. But then I went to the Cajun chicken sandwich and I didn't go Or back. sometimes I get that too. The, I get the chai grill. Mm-hmm. Is that different, the chai grill or the Cajun? Yeah, it is. I think it's different. Yeah, yeah I get the chai grill. That Cajun seasoning, and I need that. I need you to put that on the chicken sandwich. Big Watusi was talking about Taco Bell. He said Baja Steak Gordita is the goat at okay. Taco Bell. And then we had Rev Kev <laughs> when we were trying to figure out the nostalgia McDonald's that we're trying to get off the ground, mm-hmm. that business idea. Rev Kev said, oh, okay, are they bringing back the McPizza from the 80s? Oh. Never heard of it. Wasn't around in the 80s. I know. That's like a lot of people don't ever remember the McJordan. Including me. Yeah. What you can look at the commercial the and all that. It was basically uh, a cheeseburger. It was like, uh, and it had bacon, but the bacon was kind of weird. It was like the bacon was a patty unto itself. But there's a there's commercials for it and all that stuff on YouTube, man. Because and it's got barbecue sauce. It was good. It was a good burger, man. You're saying they were doing Travis Scott meals before Travis yeah, Scott man, meals. Yeah, man. When that McJordan <laughs> came out, listen, I'm one of those people that they definitely direct marketing ads towards. If yeah. it's a uh, celebrity that I like or an athlete that I like, and it's a product I can halfway wrap my mind around, I'm probably going to do it. All right, we need to get back on track. I did want to mention one other topic, though, because 803 number, talk about nostalgia, hit home with me, too. 803 said, Tuttle, I went there. 
That's the last school I ever would have thought I'd hear on this show. Wooden backboards in the gym, no corner threes. He's so right. That's A wooden. Yes, backboard. yes, Wes. This is true. Dig-um. This is true. 2006, seventh grader Walker Mayo steps onto the court, having made the basketball team. Big deal, of course, right? Make the basketball team. It's big. First game ever, going to Tuttle. Where it is a wooden court, wooden backboards, and he's right with no corner threes. It stopped at the wing. I I think it's closely comparable to the Fresh Prince gym, where like a three pointer was on the other side of the gym. Right. It was just like that, and we won that game barely. Lost every other game after that. Very much seven and fifty nine Bobcats ish. You win the first game, you lose every other one. That sounds like uh, it would be a fun gym to play in, though. It kind of, well, I I don't remember too well. I'm sure we would have wanted something nicer because our team at Riverbend was actually pretty nice. We had a good one. But Tuttle, not so much. Worst stadium you ever played in. One you hated. One that is as closely comparable to Tuttle's gym. Or high school. It can be whatever you want. Oh, Just the, the one that you were like, oh, goodness gracious, this is absolutely terrible. Because Tuttle's a good one for me. Okay, um... Do you that's have one, Fiddy? You're shaking your head. Oh, I've got one. Go ahead, Fiddy. What go you ahead, got? Now, mine's from my historic uh, high school basketball days. Hyde Park Church in Lancaster. We used to put hairspray on our shoes because if you didn't, you couldn't you couldn't defend because all you did was slip and slide. It's a great story. No, if you need to put hairspray on your shoes in order to play there, you know you're down bad. <laughs> uh, I would say probably the worst. I'd go with Maryland. Maryland was pretty... It was pretty tight in there. There wasn't a lot of room to navigate there. So I, I would say Maryland. And I'm trying to think of high schools as far as stadiums. Uh, and I'm not thinking about like? Lockdown, too. I'm trying to think of something. I said it was decent because, like I said, we were a pretty new school. Uh, when I went there, we were a new school. Now, I think I'm trying to. Th- when so I, Harding would probably the be Harding was, Harding is the for one. stadium. Harding is the one, which, you know. We can different things there. I don't feel great about talking about some of the stadiums and the shape that they're in. But, yeah, Harding is not great. Yeah, it, it wasn't that great. The, the grass, like I said, they had natural grass, like natural as in nobody's doing anything to it. It's there. You mm-hmm. play on it. You like it. And that's just what you have. All right. We got people writing into uh, Spaceman. Whoa, I went here. Catawba Middle School, 90, 1995. St- same story, same court. I went to Catawba Middle. Man, why, why is everybody, Catawba County is showing up today. I promise I'm not trying to do this. Space and I thought can't. you were talking about locker rooms but at first, but Stadium Old Duke with the track. Okay. No doubt. That makes Fitty happy. Yeah, Old Duke with the track. <laughs> that makes Fitty happy. Um, couch Coach Kyle says, worst basketball court I ever played on was at an elementary school in my hometown where the gym floor was peel and stick square tiles. Ooh. Yeah, the, well, the elementary schools are always tough to bring up because a lot of them are carpet. At least that's what I remember, and you don't want to... There could be some nice gyms for elementary schools that have glass backboards and a big gym, but some of them are carpet, and so that's a problem. All right, let's move on, man. I We, we teased the first-round pick stuff, and then we got on like the analytics, the advanced metrics of ordering at fast food restaurants. We haven't gotten off on tan just like that in a while. So it's, it's okay. been a long time. That's all right. But we we really did. Like we were the PFF and the FF stood for fast food. <laughs> Pro fast food. Hey, that's an idea right we, there. We really got into the details of how you order at McDonald's and Taco Bell and people were subscribing. They would pay $10 a month to subscribe to Pro they Fast would. Food from the Wesson Walker show. <laughs> uh, we can still d- maybe have that F 
stand for football instead as we try to transition. So I, I wanted to go back to Ron Rivera's comment. You asked him this question, Wes, when he joined us earlier this week about how much success they'll have to have, like how patient we should be. But are these players going to be able to forget what happened this season? Because it was terrible, right? It was terrible. Here's what Ron Rivera had to say when answering your question on if they're going to remember this season and it's going to affect them in any way. Um, you know, if you could have some success early on, it, it'll be easy to shake it off. And then that's why I, I said, you know, folks have got to be patient. You, you know, the fan base has to be patient. Just know that, they're, you know, Coach Canals is going to come in and do the best he can and, and, and do everything he can to, to, to you know, endear the, 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 the fan base. Because, again, it, it's a good fan base, and we know that. We saw it. We saw how everybody responded when, when things started to go in the right direction and, and our guys got out to the community. And, and again, to me, this is, you know, it, 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 it's not hard to, to, to be appreciative uh, when, when you're, you're doing your best, trying as hard as you can, and at the same time, making sure and recognizing that, hey, the fan base, be patient, just understand what we're trying to do, and doing everything they can, showing the fans that they're doing and they're committed, it'll help. Because of how terribly, uh, how terrible it went this season, it was, it was bad. Ron Rivera is telling you that if you have success early, then maybe you can get over it. H- how key is that for you, Wes? Like, how much do you subscribe to what Ron Rivera was talking about there? And then, on the flip side, if it doesn't look that great, then how bad is that going to look for Canales and Tepper again? Yeah, I mean, it's not... We heard Terry Rogier talk about losing being in the DNA of the Charlotte Hornets, and I think that that's the thing you don't want to avoid because you don't want things to look similar. We know how things went down with Coach Reich and the offense and how inept they were and all of the issues that came with that. Well, if you come back out here next season and there's going to be some different players because we know no NFL roster is the same from year to year. But if you come out next year and, yeah, the losing starts early, a lot of the similar things that plagued you the season before, if those things start to happen, then guys do start to to, to check out a little bit as far as just believing, getting into that mentality like, man, same old same old stuff, you know, nothing's going to change around here. So Ron Rivera is very right. You have to give guys something early to believe. They need to come out and beat a team that they shouldn't beat or uh, have a good comeback victory or something like that to help these guys know. You you need omens to let you know that things are different. And if you come out and things are still the same or with them being inexperienced as a head coach, if guys can sniff out the fact that they feel like that he doesn't quite know what he's doing, that can make you lose guys, too, in the locker room. By the way, if you are like AJ on the text line writing in, man, I love Ron, had no idea y'all had him on, that's cool. Hate I missed it. You don't have to miss it. You can go you check it out. You can go to WFNZ.com. Yes, sir. And just go to the Weston Walker tab. Click on that tab, and then it'll take you to Greg Olson, our interview with him, along with Ron Rivera, who joined us earlier this week. So you can go check that out as well. Final thing, let's get to the first round pick, because you at least have that this year. I don't expect them to trade the first round pick this season. So not not this upcoming NFL draft. I'm saying if you lose this year, then you will have your first round pick in that scenario. But you don't have it here. You do have the 33rd overall selection. 
Wes, Dan, uh, Dan Morgan yesterday was saying that it's not a high priority to trade back into the first round because 33rd overall pick is essentially a late first round selection. And he said it's not a high priority to try to trade or give any assets up in order to go back up there and get a first round pick. Do you like Dan Morgan's way of thinking? Uh, you know, for some, they would look at the comments just on a surface and say, man, well, to say it's not a priority, that that doesn't sound good. But, yeah, I agree with them because you've given up so much uh, draft capital uh, that you don't want to overexert yourself because this team needs a lot. You know, if this team was coming off a season to where they made the playoffs, won the NFC South, and they had a lot of positions that were spoken for as far as proven talent there that they could depend on, then maybe, you know, you could say, oh, man, we really covered this guy. We think this guy could take us to the next level. Let's trade up for him. But this team needs so much that you really can't afford to give up anything. I'm with you. I don't think it's – I mean, you, you can't force it. I, if, if there's somebody there that you like well enough and you think he's going to be the guy, then great. But this is not a team that's in any you know, that's in any shape to be trading up to go get a first round pick when you have limited draft picks at your disposal right now. Like you can't be giving away more draft selections. You need more bites at the apple, and I don't want them to give up some of those in order to just move up in the first round just to say, yeah, we drafted in the top 32. Like to me, that doesn't make much sense. Yes, I know there's some different contractual obligations that those guys are tied to if you get drafted in the first 32, but not enough for me to give up assets to go get that guy. All right, let's move on, and we will welcome Marvin Williams, a part of the Hornets front office staff in the next segment, and we might talk a little Hornets with him, but it's North Carolina Duke weekend. We're going to talk about his time playing with the Heels, also a former champion, and so who better to bring on than somebody like that on Weston Walker, and because we're going to bring on somebody in the Hornets organization, We'll give you some tickets as well. If you are the, I want to say 32nd in honor of his jersey, but I'm not going to do that to you, Fitty. I'm not going to say 32nd. How do you want to do this? What's a significant number for this weekend? I was going to say call number zero because that's the amount of it's tough to do. You know, chance the Duke has to win tomorrow night. Everybody already <laughs> won by being caller zero. Yeah. Um, let's do caller number five. That's my favorite number. Okay. Caller number five. If you call in, then you win two Lakers tickets. The Lakers will be in town on Monday. Now, just a full disclosure, don't know if LeBron's going to play. He's doing some passive-aggressive stuff right now. But it doesn't matter. If LeBron and Anthony Davis don't play, then you might see a Hornets win. And so there are two reasons to go. Either LeBron's in town, or you can see the Hornets win. 704-570-9610. Fifth caller wins two tickets to the Lakers-Hornets game at the Spectrum Center on Monday. Marvin Williams joins us next, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. His second attempt, 
That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores. 17 seconds left. And he was fouled. Foul is on Patrick Johnson. I mean, you won't hear many bigger pops in a game than that right there, man. That play, I've cut it up several times for the ACC Digital Network. One of the greatest plays in Carolina Duke history, that was Marvin Williams getting that board, the put back, and three the hard way. Just goosebumpy all around. Like, when you think of how a sports, a, a final call is supposed to sound, it sounds like that where then the crowd goes absolutely nutso in that kind of environment, that is a hell of a call. We welcome back friend of the show on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. He was the ACC Rookie of the Year in 2005, also an ACC All-Freshman team member and NCAA champion, went on to be the number two pick of the NBA draft, where he scored over 10,000 points, grabbed over 5,000 rebounds, and dished out over 1,300 dimes. Joining us is Carolina great Marvin Williams. How's it going, Marvin? Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. I mean, we're on the precipice of another huge Carolina Duke game inside of that top 10. And Marvin, we got to know first and foremost was what we saw from Carolina last year. I'm sure as an alum that you were quite disappointed. So what has been your thoughts thus far on this Carolina team and their potential? You know what, guys, honestly, man, no matter how the guys perform, you know, year in and year out, I'm always proud to just kind of see them go out there and compete. Um, you know, obviously we didn't have the result that we wanted to last year, but, you know, Coach Davis and the guys were committed to coming back stronger this year, and thus far they've done it. You know, they've certainly been out there, and they've competed every single night. They've played incredibly hard. Obviously, they lost a tough one the other night at Georgia Tech, who's been playing playing teams tough all year long. So uh, that was a tough loss, but, you know, you have to move on and get ready for the big one tomorrow night. Yeah, and so we know that from your vantage point, being in that locker room, being a part of Carolina culture, I know that there are things that you can see that, Fans may not be able to. So as far as just a, a change in this team from a cultural perspective, what do you think has really spurred them to have this start that they've had? You know, I think sometimes when you lose, um, you know, it does kind of light a fire in you a little bit to, to really come back and do better. And I think the one thing that everybody knows is that when you play basketball in Chapel Hill, they expect you to win and they expect you to win big. And that's just because of the history of the program. That's just the history of the school. You know, we, we've had so much success over the years uh, so many great players over the years, and they've they've won at a really really high level. So when you're in Chapel Hill, man, you put that jersey on. Everybody expects you to win, and when you kind of fall short of that, you know it certainly does light a fire, and it does motivate you to come back. And they do kind of want to redeem themselves, and that's what you're seeing with uh, with, with Armando and uh, with RJ. They're really leading the pack right now, and some of the new additions that are adding, chipping in, it, it, it's, it's, it's a really good mix right now. They're playing really well. Well, and Marvin, I mean, you, you see North Carolina lose this game to Georgia Tech, and I think so many people would say North Carolina was focused on the Duke game. They were trying to just get over this one against the Yellow Jackets because the real one was happening in uh, going on on Saturday. Now, you, in 2004-2005, the, the Heels beat Duke in, uh, or excuse me, they won their previous games each of the time that they played Duke the next game out is that a real thing though like is that is that really tough to focus on the game before you play duke is that something that you guys had to try to remain focused on uh, honestly it wasn't difficult for us because of what we were trying to accomplish you know and coach williams was so so great on that like he never never let you look ahead of anything you focus on the team that you have to play next you know no matter who it is if the record is 0 and 20 if you're playing someone that's 20 and 0 
you focus on the task at hand. So when I remember when we were playing, you know, you just focus on the game that you're getting ready for. And you, you worry about Duke when it's time to play Duke. Now, obviously, when you have a game like that on a schedule, I think sometimes um, a team maybe can, you know, look ahead. Not saying that that's what Carolina did. I highly doubt that's what they did. Right. Coach Davis being a former player and, you know, a phenomenal coach. I'm sure he would not let those guys do that. But I think sometimes just in sports period, you may kind of look past the game because uh, you're so excited for a, for a bigger game, a rivalry game. But I certainly don't think that's what Carolina did. Georgia Tech played well, man. Take nothing away from them. They played really well. Well, and, and something I want to ask you about, too, is, okay, you have a, a lot of newcomers to this team. Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, Jalen Withers, Elliot Cadeau was the freshman. What kind of advice did you get before your first North Carolina Duke game that these guys might be getting from some of the other legends that have performed with that program? Um. I just remember how loud everyone kept telling me it was going to be, and they did not disappoint in Cameron. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I tell people all the time, and I, I genuinely had a headache when I left that, that arena. Like, my head was just pounding because it was so loud in both games. I mean, even when we returned, coming back to Chapel Hill, you know, obviously the Smiths had probably two times the size of Cameron. So um, I just remember how loud it is, how intense it was. Um, I think those are the things that the guys kind of told us about. Coach was preaching about that the entire week. We were getting ready to play them, but – um, just for anybody that's never played in it, you know, and I'm sure that there are rivalries everywhere in the country, right? It doesn't matter what school you go to, who you play for, but there's, it's just something different about this matchup. It doesn't matter how well or how poorly the teams have been playing. It doesn't matter how well or poorly the person has been playing. When the, when the guys put the uniform on, you know, tomorrow night, that's, that's all, it's about Carolina and Duke. That's all, that's all that matters. So it'll be a good game. Marvin, when you look at a guy like Armando Baycott that, that's been in school at five seasons to this point at Chapel Hill and just the last few games for him been in the single digits and not quite had the dominant type of season you would expect with a guy of his tenure, what do you see from Baycott and how huge do you think he's going to be tomorrow night? Well, Armando will be great. He'll be just fine. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy, man. When you see the numbers that he's done throughout the course of his career, when he does have a couple of games where he may be a little more quiet, everybody's like, oh, my God, what's going on? You know, but he almost teases you. It's kind of like when Russell Westbrook was averaging the triple-double. You know, now, now he has a season where he's averaging, you know, 18-7-7. Seven, and, seven, and people are like, man, what is going on with Russ? But 18-7-7 and seven, seven is phenomenal. You know what I mean? So you just kind of get used. They set the bar, a standard, so high. And when they're not meeting that standard for a couple of nights, you know, guys kind of they start to panic a little bit. But Armando's a seasoned, seasoned pro, man. He's, he's been in Chapel Hill a very, very long time. He's had an incredible career. His jersey will go on the Raptors one day, hopefully. So I totally expect him to be ready for tomorrow night. No question. It's Tar Heel great. Marvin Williams, also champion, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline here on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right, Marvin, I want to go back to the highlight that you just heard coming on to the show. Take us through the play in 05 when you hit the and one to beat Duke at home. <laughs> what was going through your mind? amidst? I watched the the, the clip back. I mean, that basketball was pinballing all over the place in the paint, and then you hot potato it in as you get fouled. What was going through your mind that you can remember on that play? Um, first and foremost, I, I, I was really um, excited that we had put ourselves in a position to win that game. If you remember, we were down nine maybe a couple minutes yeah. ago against yeah. a really, really good Duke team. You know, really good. They were ready to put us away. But I just remember the guys, we just kept fighting. That's all we kept saying, just hanging there. Still had a couple minutes, and we just kind of made play after play after play. And when Ray got fouled and he steps into the line, honestly, Ray's a phenomenal free throw shooter, so I thought he was going to make it. But when it came off, obviously I went for the rebound and it kind of bounced around. It was kind of the right place, right time, one of those things. But I do remember shooting the shot. I do not even remember hearing the whistle, which is crazy. 
Um, it's so funny. I was just t- uh, speaking to one of my former teammates, Jesse Holly, um, who you guys know played basketball yeah. and football in Chapel Hill, and uh, he sent the he sent the play to me the other day, and I was like, man, it's crazy because we can both still kind of feel it every time you watch it. You can still really feel that energy. It's just a really cool thing to be a part of, man. I'm super thankful for it for sure. What well, do you remember, David Noel picking you up? Like that's something I forgot about, <laughs> but it was the whole huddle and coming together, and then there's Noel just lifting you up in celebration. But it seemed like you're just so focused on everything. You're hyped as hell. Uh, do you remember Noel coming over? Also, a former football player, I, I, if I remember correctly, coming over there and picking you up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a former former football player. Should be a former strong man, honestly. He's big and strong as Dave is, but I do remember that, obviously. Like I said, that, that's a play. That's something that I will never, ever forget. It's certainly, certainly thankful for the opportunity. I've been a part of something like that. Super happy that we were able to kind of get some revenge and, and win that game. I think we won the ACC outright, actually, winning that game, if I remember correctly, but... Uh, it, it was just a great night, man. I'm super thankful. I'm very blessed for the opportunity. Marvin, how much does the the old player just still sit inside of you to where you wake up and you know it's the day of the game and that adrenaline gets going because you know it's Duke and Carolina? And does that come out <laughs> a lot when you're trying to watch the game? You try to enjoy it, but just the, the player in you, you just can't let it go, man. You get involved. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny you say that because I feel that, you know, every night when I'm watching the Hornets play, I'm obviously having a chance to work with them in the organization. I I feel that sometimes still as a former player. And then obviously the Carolina Duke game, but anytime you watch the Heels play, anytime I watch the Hornets play, you know, you always feel that, you know, I'm a basketball player. So God bless me to do what he made me to do. So I'm always going to feel it anytime I watch the game or anytime I'm around it. But you know, my time has come and gone and I'm thankful for it. And I had a great time with it. So I just kind of cheer for the guys that are doing it now. What are some of the the vital things that you feel like North Carolina needs to do tomorrow to, to get this win? I think the biggest thing when you're playing in a game of like this magnitude is don't try to do anything that you don't normally do. Just be who you are. They've played more than well enough to win tomorrow night. Uh, they've been incredibly strong. They've been together. Uh, they've, they've faced some adversity and overcome it. So just go out and do what you normally do. I mean, it, it, it's easier to say, you know, as we're sitting here talking on the radio, and it's going to be tough tomorrow night when you get out there and you feel the energy. But, I mean, the, we have great senior leadership, man, guys that have been there before. They've played a big, big game. They perform well in big, big games. So, you just go out there and do what your, your your team is capable of doing. Don't try to worry about anything else. Don't try to do too much. Just play your game, and everything will be fun. Marvin Williams joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right, Marvin, I want to ask you, what was Roy Williams' mood like in the week leading up to the Duke game compared to maybe the few <laughs> days leading up to the NC State game? Like, What were the differences, and what were some of the similarities? Honestly, you guys, he's actually the same. Um I actually kind of feel like he might be a little more intense if we were possibly playing like a smaller school because he didn't really want like any kind of letdown or drop off or anything like that. Um, but I do feel, he, I mean, he's always the same. The one thing about coach, man, you guys could be speed walking. You could play Uno. He could be coaching the national championship. He wants to win. And that's the bottom line. So he's going to prepare every single day because he wants to win. He loves to win. He's a competitor. And that's what I think what all of his players love about him the most is that he does love to compete and he does love to win. So it doesn't matter who you're playing with, Coach, man. It doesn't matter how big the game is, how small the game is. If you're competing in something, he wants to win. And so that's how he prepares for every game. Did the feelings change between playing those two schools for the players? Like, did you feel any differently uh, alongside some of the players like Raymond and Sean May who had played those teams multiple times already? Uh, Sure. Having it been my first time, you know, obviously playing, you know, the the big Carolina-Duke game and growing up as a kid, always watching, you know, those, those, those matches with my dad. You know, obviously, it felt a little. Uh, it felt a little different for me, certainly. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, you just you just want to go out there and compete. The biggest thing too is like campus. You know, you forget about campus. You know, everybody is so excited for the game. So when you're in class or when you're walking through campus or whatever the case may be, you just feel the energy. You feel the buzz for the game. So everybody's looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be another great game, just as it always is. And I'm sure the players out there on both sides uh, tomorrow night will be ready to compete and have a good time. Marvin Williams joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Marvin, I got one more question for you before we get you out of here. We're going to do a UNC Duke draft Mm -hmm. uh, before this show is over with. And so I got to ask you, if you had the first pick in this draft, who would be your guy that you would take all time, Carolina and Duke? I mean, the easy pick is Jordan, right? (laughs) Can I say Jordan? I mean, that's, (laughs) that's the easy pick. But I will say this, for me personally, um, Sean may had what 20 and 20 both times we played them. Um, I think it was, I don't know, 22 and 23, just something absolutely ridiculous. Both times we played them. So I think to not take Sean or to not take Tyler Hansborough, who has never lost in Cameron would, 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 would kind of be silly. And that's no disrespect to any other former greats, but just for me playing with Sean May and seeing what he did in those two matchups, I would, I would definitely probably go with Sean personally. Uh, Marvin, there's going to be 15 picks. Like, yeah, you only played one year. But it's a pretty big year. You got a game winner against Duke. You got a championship. Uh, right now, are you telling me that you should be a top 15 pick in this matchup? Because you're going to be on the table. Uh, no, I'm not telling you that. I, I can probably name 20 or 25 guys. Okay. That could probably go before me for sure. Very. Um, but if you, if you, yeah, 100%. No, I'm not saying that. It's probably 20, 25 guys I would take before I took myself for sure. At Very least. humble guy. Well, well, we might change that. All right. <laughs> I might go against Marvin, to be honest. Marvin, I'm sorry. I might draft you anyway. We'll have to see, though. All right. right. Well, that, was, <laughs> that was Marvin Williams, former Carolina great, former national champion with the Tar Heels, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Marvin, we appreciate the time, as always, man. Gentlemen, thank you guys very much. Thank you. What a nice guy, man. Very classy, nice guy. There's a reason this guy is the veteran that they wanted to bring back to the Hornets organization, the guy that wins the media award, the guy that you want everybody to be around, and it's constantly showing up anytime that we get a chance to talk to him. Top 15, it's going to be tough, especially when you bring in the Duke players. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of Carolina Blue in my starting five, including the one bench player that we're going to draft. But if there was a one-year player to select, it might be the guy that has a game winner against Duke, that has a championship, that was the second overall pick. Fiddy, how close is it going to be? Like, is he even on your big board? Or is it just like, look, love Marvin, have all the respect for him in the world, but there's just too many players to select before him? I don't know, man. We're doing all time. I know. Like all time, I'm out. I'm not drafting a Duke player. I doubt that you're drafting a Duke player. I mean, ma- ma- that means I'm going to win the draft because I'm going to have the most well-rounded team without bias. It may be honestly, but he's, I mean that's that's I'm fine. Saying, I'm not even saying Fiddy's wrong. I just kind of, like I just I, I can't do that. Man, y'all leaving me an excellent pool there's, of players. Well, to there's pick from. I mean, there's a couple that I might, but like. It's going to be tough because all my favorite players are going to be on the North Carolina side. And I, I've already decided. I was thinking, usually I want to come in and win this draft. And I, I want to win at all costs. There's one that I lost in embarrassing fashion. And I believe that was the uh, the Super Bowl party foods draft that we did last year. I went pigs in a blanket. And that was an all-time bust. 
did not live up to the hype. Everybody <laughs> destroyed me. It was the DJ Johnson of the Super Bowl draft. Mm. And I believe, in my opinion, that's the only one I lost. People may differ on that, but I know I lost that one. I'm okay with losing this one as long as I have the fun, the most fun team. And we'll leave it up to the text line because Fitty's included here. Mm. So we're going to see how many people will write each of our names in to see who wins. I'm sure Fitty's going to get a lot yeah, of love from the Eagles fans. coming up at 220. So that's going to be 220. But I'm just going with my favorite players, to be honest with you. That's well, what I'm doing. I was going to ask you, growing up a diehard Carolina fan, did you have a <clears throat> a favorite Duke player? that like You would never admit you liked because he played a Duke. I'll but, tell you what, I didn't. I really did it. No, I, I was pretty rabid, man. Like I was, I was the person that mom would not let me wear North Carolina clothes every single day. Yeah, I was, I was. A- she, she made me stop. I was like, look, mom, I'm, I want to. This is what I wear. I got my North Carolina sweatpants. I got my shirts. No, you have to wear something different today. It was, it was a lot in my whole room. My mom always used to like to say it looked like a Tar Heel threw up in it. Like that's, that's how it was. And so yeah, I, I didn't, I don't like any of them. Shane Battier, J.J. Redick, those were my most hated. Now, it's just different for me at the time and now. But at the time, couldn't stand those guys. Couldn't stand them. All right, well, when we come back on the Wes and Walker Show, will a new offensive line coach bring different results? That and a lot more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Funky on a Friday. This is the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ and a little bit of news we discovered during the break. Can we get the can we get the sounder? Is that possible? Let's see. Let's see. Oh! Okay. <laughs> On a Friday. Did that stall out? Did, there, did you run into a rope? I gave you a little bit longer okay. one right All there. Right. All right, but the Big Ten and the SEC announced that they are banding together to form a joint advisory group with the goal of addressing the, quote, significant challenges facing college sports. The move comes comes as the NCAA struggles to govern intercollegiate athletics amid a sea of change that has imperiled the longstanding amateur model. Participants will include university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors, Athletes and other constituencies will be included as necessary, uh, according to the announcement. But it needs to be noted that during this, they clarify that the body will have no authority to act independently and will only serve as a consulting body. It says still this marks the latest move by the nation's two most powerful conferences to take an active role in determining the future of college sports. Well, we knew kind of when all this stuff started going down 
with everything that's new about college football, that there were going to need to be some adjustments. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they can do because they were talking about Jeff Halfley, who I was very surprised that left Boston College to be a defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. They said that that was one of the reasons why he left or a big reason why he left because of how different it is and the NIL and the portal. Because I could imagine for a coach at Boston College, I mean, I know they have rich alums, but not sure that they are just putting money hand over fist into an NIL collective. And for a school like Boston College, they're definitely fighting an uphill battle. So I think this could be good for the sport. Well, I mean, the the big thing here to look at is secession from the NCAA because the commissioners are saying that's not their express goal. The creation of the joint board feels something much more grandiose in the making. College football's two behemoths sharing ideas, plans, and models for the future. You can find this write-up on Yahoo Sports, but it looks like that is the thing that people would be most scared of, that the commissioners both strongly rebuke any notion that the creation of this advisory board is to move toward a breakaway, but the fact that they are refuting that so profusely, it's like, okay, we've already had this conversation. Here you are forming this board. We know how many problems there are with the NCAA. You have the two giants of college football, which does run college sports. Now they're banding together and forming this board to create just the marketplace of flowing ideas. Like, all right, if they were to secede from the NCAA, then it does feel like maybe this is how it would start. This is what those stages would look like, even though they are saying that's not their intended goal. Yeah, and uh, also, too, I think with them being the big dogs of the sport, they're going to be able to have a lot of influence. And so I think the NCAA and whoever else can make decisions happen for them for some of these models and things that they put out. Uh, They're probably going to listen to them because that's the last thing I'm sure that they do want. But uh, moving back into the Carolina Panthers, talking about the offensive line, we know that James Campen was not retained. And so the question is, you know, it's it's always a conundrum with coaches uh, because you know that they are coaching things the way they want to see it on the field. It's not like they're telling Inky to go out there and, hey, make sure when you go out there, you know, you get confused on that stump block, all right? That's exactly what I want. I want confusion so the defense will get tricked a little bit. That's not what's happening. We know that Campen was a highly regarded offensive line coach, but is he to blame? And will a new offensive line coach bring different results? And I'll start the conversation by saying that uh, at the end of the day, even though you may have been coaching the hell out of those guys Somebody has to be accountable for play that poor. Uh, Over 60-plus sacks given up. Your run game was very sporadic at best. Uh, You know, so somebody has to pay for that, and you need a new voice and a new vision uh, over there with those linemen. So, you know, that's how I feel about it, but what say you are? Well, I mean, I don't – yeah, I I can't tell you, oh, they were going with the wrong technique all across the board – and I'm not going to be able to dive into some of those details and tell you that's why they were you know, struggling. What I do know is that this is an offensive line that performed way better two seasons ago. And it's why we actually thought that unit was going to be a strength. Not even just they were going to be better than average, not one of the top five units in the league, but better than average. And Icky, for sure, he was going to be better his second year in the league because that's the kind of trajectory you expect for a pretty solid rookie to have take place. He's going to get better his sophomore year. And man, he regressed mightily so. It was real bad, as you mentioned. I don't know how much of this is to blame um, James Campen. I wonder just how much of it is for Frank Reich, trying to implement a new system 
with a whole bunch of different ideas coming into play where you have the diversity of thought, Jim Caldwell coming in, Josh McCown coming in, so many different Thomas Brown being the offensive coordinator but not calling plays. And then here's James Campen, who had this unit ready to go when Steve Wilkes takes over, and their identity was to run the football as much as they possibly could, and that's different than pass protection, not max protecting for Bryce Young, not rolling him out nearly as much, and the offensive line seems a little more vulnerable. Not to mention, now you throw all the injuries in there. Because they had a lot of continuity two years ago. This year, they had anything but. You had a million different guard combinations. Chandler Zavala was terrible. I, I don't give me Bill Callahan. Is he telling is he making Chandler Zavala? You know, what what's the ceiling with him, right? Is Chandler Zavala getting a zero grade with Campin, but he's getting a eighteen with Bill Callahan? I can't blame all that on coaching. And so I think James Campen is still a good offensive line coach. They get some of the criticism because it just feels like that's the right thing to do because that's just our natural way of, oh, okay, they were terrible. Some of this has to be laid at the feet of the offensive line coach. But it doesn't mean that I think James Campen is a bad OL coach. It's just probably time to move on because of everything terrible that took place last year. And then he can go coach and maybe have a resurrection season with a different franchise. All right. Well, let's hear Darren Gant. He was on the Mac and Bone show. And let's hear his thoughts on James Campen. And he's talking about character assassination. What's happening to James Campen right now is nothing short of character assassination. James Campen is a good man. Uh, and James Campen's a man with a reputation in the league for about 30 years. Uh, what's happening right now is people with grievances get to air them uh, anonymously to anybody who's willing to print something, and he's fallen victim to that, and that's not fair. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you can look at it a lot of different ways, and so you think, you know, a lot of times that people automatically lay the failures of a specific unit on the feet of the coach, but like I said, I know he's coaching them to do the right things. They just weren't doing it. But again, like I said, they were so bad this year. And I think some of the things that maybe could have been cleaned up that you're definitely going to attribute to the coaches, like we talked about, just some of the confusion on pass protections and things of that nature, just saying, you know, how a guy's not ready for those types of things. Well, and, and what Darren Gann of Panthers.com is talking about, it's the discussion that James Campen was going behind the back of Frank Reich and then being the informant, quote-unquote, to David Tepper, saying there's different thought processes here. Frank Reich wants to do this. We're trying to tell him the right thing here, David, but he's just not listening. Zone, so that's, things. Right, so that's what Darren Gann is talking about, more so than just the offensive line not being good. Yeah. It's more so about the you know telling secrets behind somebody's back. And I can understand what he's saying for sure because, I mean, Darren's right. It didn't work out. It flamed it in a spectacular fashion, went horribly, horribly wrong, and pretty immediately so. In the preseason, that offensive line struggled. The offense struggled. The only thing that we got that allowed us to feel okay was, I think it was the last game against Detroit, right? I think it was the last game against Detroit where we see Bryce and Adam Thielen hook up and the offensive line performing, I guess, a little better. But I think we can even remember the second stringers for Detroit getting after Bryce. And it was Bryce hooking up with Adam Thielen that made us feel better on, like, one drive. And then we were ready to go. And then once we got to the regular season, it all went terribly wrong. Yeah, it. if Campen has a great reputation and has done good work with plenty of other units before, and then you have everything go terribly wrong last year, what sample size do you want to take, right? 
like it makes more sense to me to take the sample size of him having worked with Green Bay, having offensive linemen develop on his watch and Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers can be real finicky with the dudes that he likes. And just because he likes you doesn't mean you're a great guy. But he clearly loves James Campen. And I imagine it's because he did a good job of that offensive line to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. And so any stop that he's had, crazy respected. Oftentimes described as one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. And last year didn't illustrate that. And so that's why I'm like, okay, if he has such a good reputation and in this organization where nothing is going right, where the owner has a terrible reputation, where the reporting all on David Tepper is that he's going to meddle as much as he possibly can, even if it means getting the opinions of the head coaching member of the coaching staff against that head coach, then I'm going to probably side with James Campen as far as what kind of dude that he is. And so now I'm, I'm honestly glad that he's out of the organization. Go get a clean start, man. Don't be here anymore. Yeah, so uh, to finish up our offensive line discussion, I'll just hit you with a, a rapid fire. What's What's the percentage of priority that you put on drafting an offensive lineman with that 33rd pick? I think right now it's probably 50-50. I'd be cool with offensive line or wide receiver there. But those are the two positions. Yeah, and and we mentioned this earlier about what other positions could you make a case for. If there's a top-notch pass rusher, okay. If there's a top-notch tight end, Sam Laporta style, Dalton Kincaid style, and eventually they have to justify that pick by performing to those guys. But, okay, I will tell you, I'm very focused on offensive line and wide receiver with that 33rd overall selection. That's what I'm rolling with right now. And so that those are the percentages I would give. It's between two positions. Yeah, I mean, free agency happens before the draft. I think the Panthers are going to address their wide receiver needs in free agency. Uh, but I think that I would go a strong 75 to 80 percent that this needs to be uh, an offensive lineman of some sort, whether it's a guard or a center or a tackle that you want to put there, uh, however you want to do it. But I think offensive line has to be at the top of that list. Uh, Is it only those two positions? Is like the other 25 or 20 reserved for wide receiver or you said the other 25 or 20. Well, you're saying you're strong 75, 80% oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for offensive line, um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go, if I was to put it in a pie, I'd go 75% um, to offensive line. Basically, is there another position? Fifteen. Available? I'd go 15% wide receiver. Oh, wow. You're way lower than I am then. And then 10% other. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can you break that down? Can other you break down would other? be probably pass rusher or maybe, like you said, a, a, a linebacker as well. Uh, that's another position they could stand. Uh, to get some guys. That was more of a joke because other <laughs> other like encompasses everything. So yeah. I wanted you to go like I'd probably go like 1.3 outside linebacker. <laughs> I really wanted you to get into yeah. the specifics of the pie chart. All right. Well, when we come back, you're gonna get a full Duke North Carolina preview. That's all we're gonna be talking about to start the two o'clock hour. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.